This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me, and it's an, it's an honor to be here today with you. So much to share with you, so little time. I have to scotch tape three Advil to my forehead every morning to prevent the massive headaches that are sure to develop as I read through my list of websites and newscasts every day. Why the prophylactic Advil? Uh, oh, the, the reason can be found in the title of today's Frankly Daniel show. I'm calling it The Democrats' War Against America and Against Americans. But before I get too far along with today's show, I, I, I need to comment on two things at the top of the show. These are two burning issues with me. Bear with me. The, the first has to do with all the hype around the Republican election tsunami in, in the coming November elections. I just need to comment about that. Second, the second has to do with the unplanned announcement by 81-year-old Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer this past week. So first to the election tsunami. Heaven's sakes, do not believe this hype. Please do not believe it. I want you to get engaged with your candidate, whoever that might be. You have a governor's election coming up. You have a senator's election. You have a a house seat. You may have a mayor. You may have a school board. You can't assume that all Republicans, all conservatives, and independents that are really dissatisfied with the Biden administration are going to go to the polls. We're going to look at each other if we believe all this hype and say, well, someone else is going to vote. Not my vote isn't really necessary. And I'll tell you, that is the surest way to have a major disappointment this November. We cannot afford, with all the things that are going on, we can't afford to lose these elections or, or barely pick up three or four seats and reclaim the House and maybe have a 51 uh, majority in, in the Senate. It's not, it's not enough. We need a 40 to 50 to 60 seat advantage minimally in the House. And we need a three or four or five seat advantage in the Senate if we could get it. Don't forget, we've got rhinos we have to deal with. Democrats don't have any such species on their side of the aisle. There's no Mitt Romneys over there. Uh, they think that perhaps, uh, you know, cinema and mansion are of that ilk. They're not really the same thing. They vote all the time with the Democrats. It's just on a couple of issues. They can't get past what the Democrats want them to do to give up their uh, their convictions and identity. But we have rhinos that who knows what the reason is that, that they give up uh, their position as Republicans and don't represent their constituency. We've got Susan Collins. We got Murkowski. We got Romney. We we've got two or three others that heaven knows that they're they're like the Jeff Flakes of the past. They're today's flakes on our side of the. So for heaven's sakes, don't believe all the hype about how on the uh, this poll or that poll we're gonna you know win the world. We've got to make it there. We've got to support our candidates now. We have to give them the confidence and finances they need to carry on this fight. Now, next up uh, is a forthcoming opening on the Supreme Court. Now, it's no secret that Justice Breyer is a far-left justice. 
If he got any further on the political spectrum on the left, he'd, he'd fall off the edge of, of their flat earth. Uh, if you've listened to any of the oral arguments before the Supreme Court over the recent abortion and COVID vaccine mandates, you know just how far left Justice Breyer is. So his retirement and replacement with another far left justice won't change the usual voting structure of the court. It, it just means that a younger justice will be in that seat for the foreseeable next 25 or 30 years. And that's not unimportant, but it's not going to really change the vote structure right now. It's also no secret that Democrats currently control the Senate, and this may not be the case this November. In fact, it's our obligation to make sure the Senate is no longer in Democrat hands this coming November, after November. Well, actually, actually, January, that's when it turns over, but you, you know what I mean. Thus, after the progressives uh, hounded Justice Breyer uh, to retire now, before the elections, Joe Biden, he now has a new potentially party-invigorating cause of the day, cause du jour. Uh, they're all saying this is going to energize the party now because Biden's going to fulfill a promise and it's going gonna, it's gonna to re-cement uh, uh, blacks in terms of their commitment to the party and on and on and on. And we've got to be very careful about uh, Republicans, that is, how we handle this whole issue. But uh, here's a promise, by the way, that Joe Biden made during the campaign in 2020. I committed that if I'm elected president, have an opportunity to appoint someone to the courts, will be I'll appoint the first black woman to the courts. It's required that they have representation now. It's long overdue. Well, uh, do you suppose President Biden will follow through with his promise, his campaign promise? Uh, well, here's an audio clip, uh, another one of uh, Kristen Welker of NBC asking the president why he's given up on blacks and their voting rights. Now, this clip is from Biden's celebratory one-year-in-office press conference on January 19th of this year, just, just a few days ago. Uh, while this clip is on a different black American issue, it reveals just how inflammatory the politics of blackness is among Democrats, especially progressive Marxists, who take every opportunity to stir up divisiveness. Here's Kristen Welker. I want to ask you about your domestic agenda. You've gotten a lot of questions about voting rights, Mr. President, but I want to ask you about black voters, one of your most loyal constituencies. Yep. I was in Congressman Clyburn's district mm -hmm. yesterday in South Carolina. You opened this news conference talking about him. I spoke to a number of black voters who fought to get you elected and now they feel as though you are not fighting hard enough for them and their priorities. And they told me they see this push on voting rights more as a last minute PR push than it is a legitimate effort to get legislation passed. So what do you say to these black voters who say that you do not have their backs as you promised on the campaign trail? So uh, have no doubt, not that you did, but Biden's going to select a black woman as his Supreme Court nominee. By the way, Joe had a long and rambling answer to Ms. Welker's question. Perhaps next week when I delve more into that uh, celebratory one-year press conference, we'll get to that uh, answer that Joe gave. But what's important is that Joe is now, now he has now something to deliver to the black community. That, uh, other than inflation and vaccine mandates. But but let me ask you, do, 
Do you believe it, it will be Joe who really makes the final selection? I, I certainly don't. We have too many instances where, where we know that Joe's not making the decisions, or he doesn't even have knowledge of the decisions that are being made. Like, for instance, that issue with the Justice Department trying to settle with illegal immigrants $450,000 because they were separated from their child when they crossed the border illegally. Uh, you know, I think that Joe may have some decisions that he makes, uh, that perhaps in the case of ice cream flavors, <laughs> but I'd have to say the jury is still out on that finding. Well, we're at a moment of levity. I, I must share a couple of tweets I saw this week that I thought were particularly clever. Uh, the first one said, a quote, Merrick Garland will now identify as a black woman, unquote. <laughs> Remember, Merrick Garland was President Obama's pick to become a Supreme Court justice. But thankfully, Mitch uh, McConnell uh, held that vote up until Trump became president, and then that nomination was history. Boy, boy, I have to say, we did we miss a bullet on that Obama pick? Given what we've experienced with Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, he would have been a terrible justice on the court. Uh, the second tweet I laughed at was, uh, quote, Your mother told you to eat your vegetables, not to elect them president. <laughs> now, now, I know, I know, I know, it's disrespectful, but, but so true. Well, well, back to business. Now, with control of the Senate, Democrats can confirm any candidate that, that meets their qualifications as an activist justice, including Satan himself or, or herself. I, I joke not. Uh, if Satan's record is far-left, woke politics, and he or she promises to deliver political votes on the court for progressive issues, issues Democrats can't possibly get passed with regular legislation like abortion rights, then Satan's a shoo-in as the next Supreme Court justice. No, no, I'm not saying black, far-left, extreme-woke women are Satans. Please don't, don't have that takeaway. I'm saying Republicans can't block this nomination no matter how far-left Biden's selection is. And I, I don't believe Joe Manson is going to stick his neck out and block this candidate, even if she's extremely uh, left of, of, of left. So you can count on a black female nominee who is as far left and woke as they come being Joe's, Joe's pick or whoever's picking for Joe. And, and, and somehow we're supposed to celebrate Biden's nominee because she's going to be the first black female on the court. And I don't know how that works. Uh, how, how has that worked? With, oh, isn't Kamala Harris also the first black female vice president? And, uh, and that's all NMS are really left with to celebrate Yes, indeed, she's the first black female vice president. And the very thought of her stepping into, into the role of the president, should something untoward happen to Joe, it, that's darn right frightening. Uh, I, I do believe Republicans should oppose any extreme nominees, but they've got to be very careful not to give Democrats a rallying issue just before the November elections, that, that is for sure. This will be especially so, especially so, if the current Supreme Court, which includes Breyer, rules to overturn their longstanding and unconstitutional Roe v. Wade decision 
come this summer, leaving abortion decisions up to the states. Now, you know, if something like that happens, oh, my nerves, are we going to hear about it? Frankly, I believe these uh, racial and gender sexual preference nominations by Democrats, really, if, if they don't border on, they certainly are racial bigotry. I mean, please know, I have no objections to uh, the sex or race of a nominee. However, these are extremely superficial issues uh, when it comes to the gravity of a Supreme Court justice nomination. Qualifications, experience, judicial temperament should be the critical issues. And the nominee's philosophy on the constitutional jurisprudence is also darn important. But race... Gender, sexual orientation, and party loyalty, these are the lenses progressive Democrats use to view their politically segregated America, the one they're helping create. Thus, even though black women make up only about 6% of our population, we don't have a black woman on the court representing the constituency of black women in America. Therefore, it's obvious we need to fill this political identity category ASAP. But, but for the Democrats, the real litmus tests are not only around race and gender, but they're critically around proven political loyalty and party ideology. Yes, uh, the, the court isn't, nor did our founding fathers. I don't think our founding fathers ever intended to see the Supreme Court become a proxy-elected political institution. Justices aren't supposed to represent various constituencies among Americans or political parties. Yes, uh, yes, appearances are important. I, I get that. Certainly in today's society, a, a, a court comprised of, say, nine white males or nine of any color or any creed or biological sex or gender identity or sexual orientation or geographic birthplace, uh, nine of any of those uh, that wouldn't fly in today's world. I mean, I I get that. Despite the fact that nine of any one of these categories might do an outstanding job of applying the Constitution to constitutional cases, appearances, however, would doom the court because it wouldn't appear representative of of our population. And Who's really into identity politics in today's world? It's Democrats, progressive Democrats. They're dividing us. They're undoing the melting pot. They're unmelting all of us, if you will, and putting us in separate categories. And the category of black female is a major category now. And it's got to be reckoned with because uh, they're more important than some other segment. Uh, Say, uh, I, I don't know, I'm sure that someone will come up with one. But but here's the rub. The court isn't supposed to be, quote-unquote, representative of anything other than brilliant people who are going to apply the Constitution as it was written to whatever the case is before them. Justice is supposed to be blind, remember? I, I know, that's hilarious. Only... Uh, only the good Lord knows what category of justice will emerge next, which political group calls to, to be satisfied next. Uh, will she be the first Asian transgender woman who's also a lesbian? Uh, I'm afraid this apparent sideshow is going to go over 
uh, forever. But we're going to hear a lot from uh, the Democrats and the MSNBCs and the CNNs about how immensely qualified all these people are. But the important thing is that they're black because they're, they're, and they're women because they're not talking about anybody else. I'm sure there's a lot of brilliant, black, well-qualified, all the other categories. Now, it, it's, it's a good thing, I'd have to say, that progressives really loathe the role of religion in America. They can't stand religion in America, especially Christian and Jewish religions. I mean, otherwise, this would be an additional criteria they'd have to rule out in their selection process. And what a hullabaloo that would be. So let me ask you, is this new justice supposed to, to bring an understanding to the court on how black women interpret the Constitution? It, it's just a question. I know it's not kosher to, uh, to play comments of another regular commentator on your own show, but, but I'm going to play a few audio clips from Laura Ingram, who I, I respect immensely, uh, regarding the upcoming Supreme Court opening and, and Joe Biden's nominee. Now, you may know this, you may not. Laura is eminently qualified to comment on this particular subject, as well as a host of others, but this one I think is right up her alley. First, she's a, a top graduate of the University of Virginia Law School. That's not, not a slouch law school, by the way. Second, she served as law clerk on the Federal Second Court of Appeals, also a very nice position uh, uh, to be a clerk on uh, in terms of these appeal courts. Third, she also served as law clerk to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. I, I, that, that's like a triple play. So Laura knows a lot about our federal court system, the players, the interactions, and everything else. Here's the first of Laura's Ingram's uh, comments that, that I'd like to share with you. The only measure that matters for them is a political measure. In other words, will this person stick with the left's ever-evolving political priorities? If the answer is yes, that's all the qualification they need. All that matters is that that person replacing Breyer is a rock-solid, reliable vote for their cause du jour. Not even CNN is pretending like this is about judicial pedigree. Justice Breyer wouldn't have said in January that he is going to retire uh, at the end of, of the term if he didn't feel confident that he, that President Biden will get a replacement through a Democratic-led Senate. Who elected them? A lot of people of color, especially black women. So this is all connected on a political level. So, although Joe will pick a black woman with the necessary resume, it's not about, it's not about, it's not about her traditional resume. It's about her politics. Well, well, you, you say Republican presidents nominate justices with, quote, Republican behind their names. I mean, don't they? Wrong. President Trump selected three nominees who claimed they were strict constitutionalists. Now, whether they are or not is a, another matter altogether. But that was the criteria after their qualifications. Are they going to apply the Constitution as it was written and not make up things along the way? These three justices made no promises to vote according to the wishes of the Republican leadership. There was no implied promise in that direction and never has been with any of these uh, appointments from the Republican side. And if you've watched how Chief Justice John Roberts and Justices Kavanaugh and Gorsuch have voted on recent cases, 
Well, well, you know, they don't bow to the Republican Party's wishes by any stretch of anyone's imagination. Not so with the Democrat appointments to the court. The only item on their resumes, these resumes that are important to Democrat senators, are that the nominee will be completely loyal and woke and fit perfectly into the Democrats' political machinery. Now, here's another track from Laura. It just doesn't matter who Biden picks. I'm going to say this over and over. We already know that she's going to vote with Kagan and Sotomayor on any cases of real consequence to the left. She'll be a reliable rubber stamp for Biden's policies and for all policies of all liberal Democrats in the future. Republican presidents don't nominate justices based on politics. It appears so, but it's not true. Instead, they're selected based on how one goes about interpreting what the Constitution actually says and absolutely doesn't say. If the Constitution doesn't say that you have a right to an abortion, the court can't unilaterally say that if the Founding Fathers were alive today, they would have put the right to an abortion explicitly into the Constitution. That's what the politics of the left have done to the court and to the entire judicial system for the last 50 years. And it's time we stop some of this nonsense. Now, there's a way to fix what's not in the Constitution. It's called a constitutional amendment. But Democrats know they'll never win these arguments about what's not in the Constitution with the American people at the polls during election time. So their only alternative is to corrupt the court and select justices that see the Constitution as a thing of the past. Liberals will often say that they believe in something called the living Constitution. Well, that's not a philosophy. That just means that they treat the Constitution like silly putty, so they can stretch its words to mean anything or nothing at all. The interpretation isn't dependent on what the founders intended, what the language says, but what the progressives of the day demand, then it becomes that. On our side, we actually have arguments about what the Constitution means, how its words should be applied to the case at hand. But their side believes the Constitution is meaningless at best and racist at worst. Our side respects the judiciary and the constitutional role it has. The left just sees it as a tool to give them more power. And if they don't have opportunities to corrupt the court with political appointments, loyal to progressive politics, they'll attempt other means to make the Supreme Court heal to their activist politics. And when the court doesn't give them what they want, they threaten to destroy it. The president is being pushed by progressives and Democrats to expand the Supreme Court. Add more justices to the Supreme Court. Put 15, put 16, put 20 justices on the court. I say add 10 justices to the Supreme Court right now. That makes it a 19-member body. So let's leave it at that. Enough of the Supreme Court for now. We'll return to that perhaps next week. But let's go back to the opening title of the show. That the Democrats war against America and against Americans. Yes, there, there's a brutal war going on, and the, the divisions really couldn't be any clearer. You could, you could say there's a, a hell of a lot of progressive Democrat Party domestic terrorism going on against America and against Americans. And this most certainly includes their puppet, President Joe Biden. 
Oh, I can hear you saying, aren't those the same thing, really? If uh, the Democrats and the presidents are at war with America, aren't they also at war with Americans? Uh, they aren't really separate issues, are they? Yes, they are, they are separate issues. And it's critical that we recognize these attacks on both battlefronts. You can be at war, fighting against our American values and our way of life, while at the same time being at war with individual Americans. It's unfortunate that it's taken this long for moderate Democrats to recognize they're also victims of the collateral damage of their party's progressive movement. Certainly, the, the polls are beginning to show there's voter remorse among an increasing number of moderate Democrats. But will their voter remorse, change of heart, and, and possible change of votes be enough to ensure a Republican a tsunami? I, I, for what I'm not counting on it. We have to win our own election battles. But we could get an extra gentle breeze forward from discontent moderate Democrats, and certainly if things get worse with the economy. After all, inflation isn't discriminating as to who's a liberal and who's a uh, conservative voter. So what about the war on America? What's that all about? Progressives clearly don't agree with our Constitution, our legal system, our Judeo-Christian values, and, and everything our forefathers seem to have fought for and have given their lives for. One proof? Proof it is you're looking for? Well, look at their legislative agenda. They're trying to federalize our elections. Their massive voting rights bill can only be passed if Senate Democrats can somehow kill the 230-year-old legislative filibuster. This means that if the filibuster is eliminated, Democrats will only need 51 votes, this includes Vice President Kamala Harris's tie-breaking vote, to pass their entire nightmare of a Marxist legislative agenda. Uh, what's been the holdup, you say? Well, two Democratic senators, Joe Manchin and, and Kirsten Sinema, have so far refused to sign on to, to the murder of the Senate's sacred filibuster. If the, if the Senate does away with the legislative filibuster, this, the Senate could pass any and all legislation with a simple 51-vote majority. In essence, the Senate would look and probably act just like the House. And then you'd have to ask, well, why do we have a Senate? Why not just have a unicameral chamber, the House? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to... Take a break, a very short break, and then it's time to come right back, because every day it's time to come back and to hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back and hear. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on the Frankly Daniel Show, and I'm not kidding. Let's get real, let's get loud. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, this is McCullough Report. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs. Uh, I like the Focus and Recall 
supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cells Focus and Recall Vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hail my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, You were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list. And they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Frankly Daniel Show. Before the break, we were discussing uh, how the Democrats are attacking our institutions of Republican democracy, all while they're telling us that they're saving democracy. Now, to this end, we were talking about how progressive Democrats are pushing to destroy the Senate's legislative filibuster rule that has been part of, uh, actually a key part of the Senate rules for only 230 years. So why do the Democrats want to eliminate the filibuster now? And this is simple. The filibuster prohibits a 50-50 Senate, which is our current uh, makeup, uh, a 50-50 Senate from using their party's vice presidential vote on ties and passing legislation that our nation is clearly divided on. Democrats have only 50 of the 100 senators. Democrat progressives are totally supported by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who are also for the abolition of the filibuster. Progressives, and let's let's call them what they really are, they're Marxists, they have a docket of radical bills before the Senate that have already been passed in the House. And these multiple bills that have already been passed by the House have been passed with six-vote majorities in the House. Democrats only have six more members than Republicans in the House. Again, remember that in a 435-member House, Democrats only have a six-vote margin over Republicans on any vote. Is a six-vote margin out of 435 members a sweeping majority? It's, it's hardly even a majority. Do six votes out of 435 give Democrats a mandate somehow to shove radical legislation down our throats? I, I think not. But, but back to the Senate. Remember, Vice President Kamala Harris is not directly an elected official. Now, she was on the Joe Biden presidential ticket. If Joe won, she becomes vice president. If Joe lost, she holds no federal or state office. She gave up her Senate seat to be Joe's VP. So having her break 50-50 ties in the Senate on giant pieces of legislation is a potential disaster, and it's hardly representative 
of what you'd call a majority vote. 50 Democrats in the Senate is not a majority, and adding Kamala Harris's vote doesn't make it so. Democrats have already used Vice President Harris to break the 50-50 tie on something called the American Rescue Plan. You know that $1.9 trillion uh, disaster where we borrowed and printed money? In other words, not one Republican senator voted for this bill, nor did any Republican in the House, where the vote on that margin was 218 to 212. Notice, if if the Republicans win just three more seats in November, and God, we need a, a, it would be wonderful to win 300 seats, but if it won just three more seats this November, the House would also have a 50-50 split on party affiliation. These are hardly majorities with which to rearrange the entire way American governs itself. You just look at the damage the American Rescue Plan is currently causing and will continue to cause going forward. And look at the waste and the debt we've incurred. The, the Justice Department is attempting. Here's this. This is. If it if it weren't so hilarious, it would be devastating. The Department of Justice is attempting to reclaim more than one hundred billion dollars of fraud already against the American Rescue Plan. Heck, for for heaven's sakes, it's only been a law for ten months, and already. $100 billion has been stolen from us. Every cent of this money was either borrowed or printed by the Federal Reserve. And guess who's on the hook to pay it back? Not the progressive Democrats or Joe Biden. You know, we're hearing about all this uh, uh, strange money that the Biden family has come into with uh, uh, Peter Schweitzer's new book uh, uh, outlining all the, these transactions that Hunter and other countries... That's uh, an amazing story, but the, uh, I'm not going to get sidetracked here. Uh, uh, you know, now Joe Biden and the progressives want us to do the same thing as they did with the American Rescue Plan with federalizing voting rights. A- a- and how does the 50-50 Senate become a political mandate to write the nation's voting laws and somehow strip states of their constitutionally sovereign right to conduct elections? Yeah, yeah, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement <laughs> Act. I love these titles. Uh, the uh, 2021 version of that is now the 2022 uh, version. It's a, simply a rewrite of H.R. 1, the For the People Act of 2020. And it's a, it's a nightmare uh, uh, of a bill. It's, it's, it's so destructive. And you can read it. You can actually go in and put in John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and look up the Senate's version of this. It's hundreds and hundreds of pages, and uh, my nerves. But but the passive Democrats are going to have to destroy this Senate legislative filibuster. Now, Joe Biden, who spent 36 years in the Senate, and who's taken to the Senate floor many times to support the bill filibuster rule and, and to hold it sacred among Senate rules, this same Joe Biden now suddenly... And it is sudden, as president wants the Senate to abolish this 230-year-old rule. Why we come back to that again? Because his party has only 50 senators and a very, very short window to pass their most radical agenda ever. So now everything Joe ever said in defense of the Senate filibuster has become a lie.
the, the new truth, you know, everyone has their truth. Well, the new truth is that the filibuster must die and die now. It's got to die really quick before November, before November 8 of 2022, when Republicans are likely, with all of our getting involved, by the way, to reclaim the Senate. We have 50-50 in the United States Senate. That means we have 51 presidents. You all think I'm kidding. I've been pretty good at working with senators my career. But man, when you got 51 presidents, it gets harder. Anyone can change the outcome. Sadly, the United States Senate, designed to be the world's greatest deliberative body, has been rendered a shell of its former self. Gives me no satisfaction in saying that as an institutionalist, as a man who was honored to serve in the Senate. But as an institutionalist, I believe the threat to our democracy is so grave that we must find a way to pass these voting rights bills. Debate them. Vote. Let the majority prevail. And if that bare minimum is blocked, we have no option but to change the Senate rules, including getting rid of the filibuster for this. Uh, if you listen closely, Joe said we have... 50-50 in the United States Senate, and that means we have 51 presidents. Did you hear him say that? How did we get to the new math of 51 presidents, Joe? Joe must have included the vice president's vote. That's all I can think of. Here's that piece again. We have 50-50 in the United States Senate. That means we have 51 presidents. You all think I'm kidding. I've been pretty good at working with senators my career. But man, when you got 51 presidents, it gets harder. Anyone can change the outcome. But she only votes in ties in the Senate, Joe. Otherwise, she doesn't vote and she doesn't count. If Joe meant to include Camilla, then he's calling her one of the 51 presidents, wrestling with him for the direction of the nation and the outcome. Of course, he has called her president multiple times by supposedly mistake before. I know I, I, I'm not alone. I, I know that several of you are, several of you listening today have questioned Joe's cognitive abilities. I, for one, don't think they're improving. If anything, they're getting worse and they're going to continue in decline and I believe quickly so. Now Daniel was one of the four major written prophets in the Old Testament. I'm not a Daniel from the Old Testament, although I am a Daniel. And I don't believe one has to be a prophet of God to interpret the signs of Joe's cognitive decline. Now, this issue came up much to the consternation of President Biden at his recent one-year-in-office press conference held recently. Now, this conference lasted one hour and 52 minutes. I hope to get to other parts of what was said at this very important back and forth with the press. If, if not today, then certainly on next week's Frankly Daniels show. When a conference is this long, it's way too easy to tune out to sections of Joe's ramblings or just turn it off or tune out altogether. But I've listened to the complete conference at least three times and have read over the White House Press Department's transcript a couple of times of this event, and there's a truckload of important things that were said, things we really need to go back and really pay attention to. And one of those issues had to do with Joe Biden's cognitive health. The first thing that struck me about all of Joe Biden's answers to reporters' questions during this conference 
had to do with who was asking the questions. Now, when a reporter was from Fox News or Newsmax or one of those organizations, or, well, uh, well, let me say it this way. When more objective reporters ask serious questions, Joe had brush-off answers as if the question didn't deserve anything less than a sarcastic quip. Here's a clip of James Rosen from Newsmax asking the following question, one that I believe is on the minds of most of us. Thank you very much for this honor. James Rosen with Newsmax. I'd like to, um, I'd like to raise a delicate subject, uh, but with utmost respect for your life accomplishments and the high office you hold. A poll released this morning by Politico Morning Consult found 49% of registered voters disagreeing with the statement, Joe Biden is mentally fit. Not even a majority of Democrats who responded uh, strongly affirmed that statement. Well, let you all make the judgment whether they're correct. Well, so the question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? Thank you. I have no idea. Well, that was the end of that uh, exchange. And any questions like that got the same brush off. Had Trump been asked that same question, how how do you think he would have answered it? (laughs) Of course, I'm sure you already know, but let's go through some of the facts. Of course, Trump would have never, ever brushed this question away. In fact, I can't remember questions he just dismissed out of hand. He'd have stated that the White House physician who at the time was Admiral Ronnie Jackson, had certified that Trump's cognitive abilities had been through a series of objective, standardized, American Psychological Association mental acuity and integrity tests, and that President Trump's mind was remarkably sharp, despite his age. Trump would have challenged to match his cognitive abilities with any of those in the reporter corps. Of course, after Trump reported his test results to the press corps, networks like CNN, MSNBC, and and the like went after the integrity of Admiral Jackson, physician Admiral Jackson, and tried every trick in the book to discredit him as a physician and a military officer. Let me remind you, not too many physicians make it to the rank of rear admiral in the Navy and we're not talking the public health service, we're talking in the Navy. But the point being, Trump would have never just rolled over and said, I don't know. Furthermore, a closer review of that press conference showed the extreme contrast between the types of questions Trump received at every press conference or interaction with the press compared to the softball questions uh, to Joe Biden from the usual pro-woke suspects. So, so how do I know that these were woke reporters asking woke questions at Joe's anniversary conference? I read their columns. I listen to their podcasts. I watch their news reports. It's why I have to scotch tape Advil to my forehead every morning before picking up a newspaper. But I have to tell you, there's been an interesting change in woke reporters' approach to questioning Joe. 
at the moment, it's no secret that progressives in the Democrat Party are less than totally pleased with Joe's low poll rating. They, they believe uh, that he's likely to begin a political shift to the middle and away from wokeness. And this has them very uh, troubled and concerned. Uh, listen, no one who's awake, regardless of their place on the downward spiral of their mental health, wants to see their poll numbers in the mid-30s on their way to the low-30s. So here's an interesting clip of a woke reporter confronting Joe with the fact that Joe said during the campaign that if Democrats won the White House and they won both chambers of Congress, all these great woke programs were going to go forward. Now, after making this statement, the the reporter then asks Biden, why should uh, people believe why should they believe you now? And the, re- the reporter was implying that Joe hasn't delivered on what he promised progressives during the campaign. And he's questioning whether Joe might abandon what this reporter believes are promises to the left that Joe made from his campaign headquarters, which, of course, we all know was his basement. These are the same types of questions Joe was confronted with this week when it leaked out that Justice Breyer was retiring. Would Joe keep his promise to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court? So let's listen to this exchange between the reporter and Joe. And by the way, I apologize for the quality of uh, sound of these uh, clips. The president's sound equipment uh, produced a shadow echo, and this coupled with the soft-spoken answers that he began making... uh, over time uh, makes it difficult to hear. Uh, This sound phenomena got worse as the conference went on because of Joe's responses, became more muffled and protracted. Uh, In particular, uh, but I want you to listen to the end of this clip. Where did Joe go as he trailed off toward the end of of his answer? And no, I I haven't trimmed any of the dead airtime in Joe's response, just so you get a full measure of it. Here it is. More follow-up. Around this time last year when you were campaigning in Georgia, I think one of the things you told people was the power is literally in your hands. You know, if if voters give Democrats the House and the Senate and and the presidency, that all these big things can get accomplished. And, you know, we've seen stalemate. We've seen things being stymied. Um, Why should folks believe you this time around? Can you think of any other president's done as much in one year? Name one for me. I'm asking you. (laughs) I'm serious. You guys talk about how nothing's happened. I don't think there's been much on any incoming president's plate that's been a bigger menu than the plate I had given to me. I'm not complaining. Knew that running in. And the fact of the matter is we got an awful lot done. An awful lot done. And there's more to get done. But look, let me ask a rhetorical question. No, I won't. Anyway. Thank you. Come on, man. Who's done more? Here's the deal, Joe. Go back and look at Trump's first, second, third, and even fourth year in the presidency and answer that question again. The Biden administration has accomplished one of the highest crime rates, including more murderers and more dead police officers than any other administration in 12 short months. Biden's plan is to arrest more guns, 
given that guns are killing more people than knives and rocks. If Joe can kill the Senate filibuster and get several more black women appointed and approved to the Supreme Court, he promises to delete the Second Amendment. Uh, We're all rejoicing that Biden's plan to drain Central and South America of their populations is on schedule. Of course, people who are on the take from anywhere else in the world, they're welcome here too. Just pay our international friends and any of the Mexican cartels. They'll take any major credit card, and if you're short on cash, I'm sure Homeland Security or the State Department may be able to help. Now, if you're moving here soon, we suggest that California, New York, and Washington State are the ideal spots for skill sets that include armed robbery and -and smash-and-grab techniques. Gosh, Joe has already welcomed 2.2 million illegal aliens into our homes and communities, and his helpers are helping these lawbreakers by resettling them across the nation. That's regardless of whether governors, mayors, or citizens even know this information. In fact, it's better that they don't know. Mental distress is already a growing problem in the country, and knowing that immigration and customs enforcement agents are uh, what they're doing by flying illegal aliens and dropping them off everywhere in every state, except Delaware, of course, will cause many citizens and elected Republican officials unnecessary mental anguish. For instance, the citizens of Florida discovered that $2 billion of their tax money went to welfare for illegal aliens living in Florida in 2021, the year of Joe Biden. It's enough to make someone go postal. Now, that's a joke. Please don't go postal if you live in Florida. The Biden administration is doubling down on secrecy, so more citizens of other states remain clueless about these resettlement programs and what they're costing Americans. You just don't want to cause them that kind of anguish. Now, I have to say the secret programs appear to be working seamlessly, with the exception of a minor increase in the murders and the theft crimes against Americans. But you have to expect some of this with a massive resettlement program like this. And there are so many illegals who are so anxious to get started on their new lives in America that they don't even stop to be counted by Border Patrol. Now, their generous behavior has saved Border Patrol millions of hours in necessary paperwork. Look, there's more good news in that first year that Joe's been in office. The Biden administration has doubled our illegal importation of fentanyl from only 4,500 pounds in 2020 to 10,500 pounds this year. We can now kill all Americans, even those here illegally, three times over. This is so good to know because sometimes folks just don't die with the first overdose. I mean, you need a redo. These thoughtful illicit drug programs have made the leading cause of death for men between the ages of 15 and 45, drug overdoses. Now, Trump couldn't even dream of such accomplishments. Just think of how this is providing more opportunities for young women. More dead men means greater opportunities for women. And we're saving COVID-19 vaccines by not requiring illegal aliens to be vaccinated before being let loose in the country. It's the least illegal aliens can do for all that welfare taxpayers don't know they're paying for. Now, Joe's compassion couldn't be more defined than by his generosity in seeing that people who illegally enter the country 
and got separated from their children get compensated to the tune of, get this, $450,000 each. Now, isn't that generous? But there's a reasonable limit of $900,000 per family. But not to worry. Merrick Garland is overseeing this Make America Stupid Again project and helping some 2,200 families with their claims. And just think of all those attorney's fees. It's like an additional employee benefit program. Yes, let's keep those lawyers working. And when you think that people who've come to America legally and paid enormous sums to illegally become citizens, a hand up to illegals of color just shows the loving character of progressives toward people who aren't white. Now, let's talk about inflation for a moment. And yes, it's on its way to 10% by summer. Isn't that good news? This should help you spend all that cash the Biden administration sent to everyone with that wonderful American Rescue Plan. I hope you got rescued, but it's now time to go back to being distressed. The numbers are in, and 4.5 million Americans walked off their jobs for good in November. And more than 4.7 million are expected in the December report of 2021, ending Joe Biden's first highly successful first year in office. Now, this comes after 4.2 million walked off the job in October. And all of this is part of the new social phenomena called the Great Resignation, or the anti-work movement. Isn't it great people are quitting work and finding more time for their families and studying how to become successful leeches off the government? Now, we have more than 10 million job openings, and employers can't seem to attract employees. This is despite 90% of these jobs pay well over the Democrats' minimum wage standard of 15 bucks an hour. Well, good for employees. They should hold out until the next American Rescue Plan that progressives are already talking about in Congress. Free welfare comes to those with the patience to wait and complain. Just to be sure, keep voting Democrat. Oh, by the way, our military has laid their weapons down and are all being trained as critical race theory instructors, as our military leadership is trampling out white rage from military ranks. Isn't that glorious? Well, we managed to kill 13 Marines and badly wounded another 80 or so soldiers trying to leave Afghanistan. We did manage to bring back 83,000 Afghans who have absolutely no ties to America. Nor did they have anything to do to support America during the 20-year stay in Afghanistan. And these people are very much welcomed by the progressives in this country. But now that they're here, we're happy to support them financially until God's kingdom comes. Uh, we're talking really about Armageddon, of course. We also re-gifted $85 billion in military equipment, much of it new and still in its original containers to the Taliban. Now, supposedly they're a racist and terrorist organization, but if you've heard this on Fox News, it's probably a conspiracy theory. But the good news is, is that this gift is entirely tax-deductible. Well, that's according to the new 2021 version of TurboTax. Uh, how can we forget that Joe crushed that XL pipeline project on his first day on the job? This gave more than 10,000 highly skilled workers the opportunity to go on unemployment and begin their careers as computer programmers so that they can get in on the growing hacker industry. 
Here's more good news. Joe is going to build 500,000 electric charging stations across America. If you need a charge as you're driving across country, you'll be able to stop and charge or recharge your vehicle. And with the 13 hours that it'll take to recharge, you'll be able to read all those novels you've always wanted to conquer, like War and Peace and the Holy Bible, New and Old Testaments. Be sure to read about Noah and the Ark in Genesis. I must say goodbye for now. Loved having you. Please stop by next week. Yes, I'll still be sharing Joe's first-year accomplishments with you. Until then, God bless.